best intros it was very upbeat right yeah we had a lot of sugar (laughs) (laughs) so here we are with the final episode of Mm. season two of barry berkman greater than block i guess so hmm interesting yeah it's a little it's a little um confusing this uh all season long they've been putting like math symbols in the the episodes don't they know there are podcasters that need to say those names right (laughs) (laughs) so this one is directed by bill Hader and written by alec berg and bill Hader. dream team yeah so in this episode we start with um we basically pick up right where we left off Mm. so fuchs has a gun to gene's head and barry is rushing to get to them As Barry arrives, Fuchs starts to hear sirens, Mm -hmm. and Barry sees Fuchs fleeing away from Gene. He doesn't know if anything's happened yet, and Barry has to kind of make a decision in that moment to, like, follow after Fuchs or go check on Gene. So what Barry doesn't know is that Fuchs did not shoot Gene. He He seems like he's very hesitant to do that. And when he hears the sirens, he ends up kind of panicking a little, and he lowers the gun, and we see him lean into Gene and say something in his ear before he takes off running. I can't wait to unpack the hesitation. (laughs) So at that point, uh, Barry and Gene are taken into custody, and Loach's partner, May, questions Barry uh, and then sets him free. But she tells him that Gene is going to stay there as he is suspect one. Barry sends this, like message to Fuchs. Um, He leaves him a message threatening him, basically. And while all this is happening, Hank and the Chechens are basically, they've they've claimed Esther's monastery (laughs) as Mm -hmm. their uh, home base. And they're there preparing for their next action against the Bolivians. And I guess the Burmese as well. So Hank is threatened by his Chechen crime family, who sent Batir to basically set him straight. And he asks Barry for Barry's help. And Barry is, like, not interested whatsoever mm-hmm. in getting involved with them again. And then Hank goes back to the monastery and Fuchs is there and wants to make a deal. As always. So Barry and the acting class are preparing for their showcase that Lindsay set up for, mainly for Sally, but everybody's taking part. Gene, in the meantime, is being questioned by May Dunn. But we see him, he's sort of in shock He's in a little mm. bit like a, a fugue state and he's really like unable to give her the answers she wants. And so she ends up just arresting him mm. for Janice's murder and taking him into custody. So Barry calls the number that he was given and is informed that Gene is going to be transferred to L.A. County and that he can see him the next day. So knowing that Gene has been booked for Janice's murder, Barry calls Fuchs from backstage and promises that he is going to kill him. Fuchs responds that Barry could save him. Barry could save Gene by just turning himself in. Hmm. Not so altruistic now, are you, motherfucker? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
in the monastery, they see the Burmese and the Bolivians arrive. Fuchs, I think, gets cold feet at this point and goes mm-hmm. outside to try to talk sense into the Bolivians and Burmese. Once again, putting himself in that negotiator position. So he's like, oh, I'm not really on the side. I'm on <laughs> all of your sides. But it works to everyone's shock and ends the feud between the groups, ostensibly. And Hank and Cristobal reconcile. However, Esther is very suspicious of Hank still. Rightly so. Yeah. Okay, meanwhile, at the theater, a performance is beginning. Barry is obviously, like, has his head completely in this other urgent matter that's ongoing. Um, and so he's very distracted. And Sally keeps trying to get him to, like, get with the program. Sally slaps him. Oh. <laughs> To A, like, snap him out of it, and B, get his, like, rage juice flowing. I can't wait to talk about this. And it works, and his rage juice starts to flow in. Um, They go out to do the scene, and she basically completely surprises him by going completely off book. Not just off book, but, like, changing the book. (laughs) So, basically, she turns into this whole confrontation where she stands up to her abuser, and Barry is stunned the entire time. Yeah just like i mean honestly overwhelmed afterwards the guilt just crushes in on sally and she realizes what she's done and starts telling Lindsay how how bad she feels about it and she lied and and then she's also feeling kind of like weak for not having been able to do the thing she did on stage and while she's doing that she suddenly starts getting affirmations and praise from everyone around her and you can see her mind change about the right course of action <laughs> So Barry calls Jean's phone, but instead he gets Leo, who is sitting in the jail with Jean's effects, and he answers the phone and tells him that Jean's actually being released. And Barry's like, oh, how'd that happen? (laughs) (laughs) And basically what happened was Barry, in the hot second he had before the police showed up, had tossed the pin that Hank gave him which said in Chechen, the debt is paid, into the trunk with Janice's body. That pin has been found, and now believing that the Chechens killed her in retaliation, May Dunn releases Jean, which honestly is sloppy police work, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So Barry asks Leo to tell Jean that he's going to be okay and that Jean was right, people can change. And then Barry hangs up from that phone call, I think feeling a little relieved and maybe a little hopeful. And then he gets a text message from Hank that basically says, like, no worries, I don't need you anymore, essentially. Fuchs is here. (laughs) And Barry immediately, like, snaps and angrily drives to the monastery. He bursts through the door And as soon as Esther realizes that he is there and identifies him as white boy Lululemon tracksuit, he (laughs) shoots her in the head. Oh, yeah. Cold and merciless. So Fuchs is hiding there, sheltering the monastery. And Barry is going after him, but he is willing to kill anybody who crosses his tracks on the way there. So he kills just about everybody inside the monastery. Fuchs asks for backup from two guys who identify, you know, Barry as like, oh, that's the guy who taught me everything I know. They basically take him out through a back door, Fuchs out through a back door, while Mareback is staying inside to hold down the fort. And when Barry opens the door, Mareback hesitates, and that gives Barry the chance to kill him. So it's this moment of, like, full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bummer. So Barry, you know, continues through, and he barely misses 
Fuchs. Fuchs, you know, gets away in his getaway vehicle. Batir shows up at the monastery and finds Hank alive and is like, wait a second, Esther's dead? That's fucking great for us. <laughs> and then Barry surveys the damage and starts to head down a dark hallway, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. in a little bit. And then back at uh, Leo's house, Jean is kind of like being retired to bed and Leo's helping him get comfortable and making him some tea. And then as Jean processes what's been happening, he remembers the words that Fuchs whispered to him. Barry Berkman did this. Okay, so to start with, what do you think about Barry's choice to check on Jean versus follow Fuchs? Uh, man. I think he still believes there's a way he can choose good father. <laughs> and that good father might choose him. And mm. it is, yeah, it's pretty, getting pretty clear at this point that's not going to happen. How, what do you think? I mean, I think it's interesting because I, I think the only reason he would go after Fuchs would be to exact some sort of revenge upon him. Mm-hmm. Whereas Gene, with Fuchs fleeing, he doesn't know what state Gene is in. But, you know, he's going to guess either way it's not good. Yeah. He either knows that he's found Janice's body or that Fuchs has hurt Gene. Either way, it's bad. So I think he's, you know, he's choosing Gene, whatever that brings. But I think it was very quick thinking on Barry's part to hide the pin. Oh, my God. I liked the angle which they shot it, too, because you're like focused on Gene and then Barry's kind of in the background, you know. Well, you see him the trunk. duck into <clears throat> the car. Yeah. And you're like, what is he doing? Like, I was yeah. like, what is he doing? That body has been there, like, forever. Like, yeah. what are you doing? And we don't know what he's doing right away, which right. is great. I mean, we get good payoff on that later. But, yeah, I mean, that's one more reason why it's a good thing that he chose Gene and didn't run after Fuchs. And he's got this expression on his face when he closes the trunk where he, it, it looks like a relief. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like, you know, this will be okay. And, yeah, I, it was very quick thinking. You're right. Yeah. I also love, like, how this episode picks up. I mean, we have a few other episodes like that, like season one with, like, the, the car accident and the shooting mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Or the rollover. Where it picks up literally, like, the second yeah. that the previous episode ended. No time has passed. Yeah. Yeah. And it ended on such a tense note. Like, it almost could have been one episode. But that's not how they all they do. <laughs> Very economical <laughs> half hours. Man, that, that part, though, where Jean sees her is so sad. Because you think there's, like, there's got to be a part of him that still believed that maybe she was alive somewhere. Yeah. Even though they stopped looking. Henry Winkler acts his fucking ass off in this episode. Like, truly. The ending montage where he is, Mm -hmm. like, having memories of Janice and, like, just laying there reminiscing is really, really sad. It's also, like, the way that it plays out with, like, pleasant memory, pleasant memory, pleasant memory. Mm -hmm. Her body is kind of like a reminder of, like, when people die, especially violently, especially like that, you know, in a traumatic way. You have to find a way to reconcile that last image of them yeah. with who they were in life. And, like, how are you not going to think of that every time you think of them? I mean, that's why I think it's really sad when they, like, make the parent of someone, like, identify a body. Ugh. I'm like, can't literally anybody else do it? Spare that person, yeah. you know? Because you don't want that in your head. No. 
I don't blame anybody who doesn't want to have that as the lasting image you see of someone. Nope. So it's interesting to me that when we see Barry and then Jean being questioned by Mae Dunn, it's funny because when we met her through Loach, Loach always gave us the impression that, like, she was just, you know, to be (laughs) cast aside. Like, not good... He just didn't want anything to do with her, and by extension, neither should we. Mm-hmm. But she is pretty sharp here, and putting pieces together is like, I don't think Kenneth Goulet is a real person. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's such a great made-up name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. But, you know, they arrive on scene, and it's just Barry and Jean, and they have this phone call from Jean saying, I killed her. Mm-hmm. So she that's what she's working with, and... There's no proof that anybody else was there. And Barry's certainly not going to go pointing out Fuchs. Right. Because he's pointing at himself. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I think I think May's, you know, being fairly sharp here. When she says that they are going to keep Jean and they let Barry go, I wrote, Barry is transcendently furious. Mm-hmm. I mean, he calls Fuchs while he's still in the jail. He's literally, like, in the jail and calls him and is like, I'm going to kill you. And he's... Bill Hader is so good at that, like, seething rage. Like, to the <laughs> point where he's he's not just angry. It's not yeah. pure anger. He is, like, overcome with emotion. Like, he yep. cannot control his feelings. Like... It's he's he's so good at that, and he does it a couple times in this episode. Yeah, and yeah, like when Sally slaps him, like yeah, and that's like a mix of like disbelief and rage too. Like he did not see that coming, not from yeah. her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does not. Barry is someone who does not like to be blindsided, Mm-mm. which is interesting because if you think about like especially when like him and Taylor were raiding the stash house and stuff, mm-hmm. like he seems like a person who plans for possibilities and like tries to anticipate that things might go in a different direction. But there are some things that happen to him, particularly things around Gene or Fuchs, where he just seems totally head upside the head and he does not handle it well. Yeah, I feel like it, like, pokes him in an emotional place that, like, short circuits his his frontal lobe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and speaking of, uh, speaking of Fuchs, in the beginning where he's thinking about shooting, not thinking about, he's got the gun aimed at, at Gene. Mm He's, like, shaking, and, like, you can see on his face, he's trying to talk himself into it. And I feel like he's almost angrier at Barry because he can't do it himself. You know what I mean? That actually raises an interesting point. Have we seen Fuchs kill anybody? I don't think so. I don't think... I don't think we have. Okay. So that kind of ties into the speech that he gives Cristobal and Esther later on where he's just like you know murder that's a lot harder and like it's very clear when he's talking to them he's talking about him and Barry yeah but Cristobal is also internalizing it as him talking about him and Hank but yeah I mean that no like knowing that reflecting on that that Fuchs actually doesn't go around killing people the way that Barry does I, I guess I just didn't really think about it because Fuchs is so adjacent to all of this murder. Right. Yeah. And there's that, like, moment in season one during the, the Macbeth speech where ba- the way Barry looks at it is that someone else told them to do it. Yeah. And so it's their fault. And then Fuchs seems to have the opposite thing where he's like, I told you to do it. You didn't have to do it. You know? <laughs> like, they're both displacing the blame to somebody else. Yeah. 
And two, even being adjacent to and organizing Mm -hmm. so many killings doesn't mean that when it comes down to it that Fuchs is capable of doing it himself. That is a great point. When when, uh, Alec came on, you were talking about on killing Mm -hmm. and like the kind of psychological process that goes into preparing for it and doing it and then like aftermath doesn't just happen for the most part. Yeah. So it was, I thought it was interesting to have him struggle with Mm -hmm. shooting Jean. And again, I think it, it causes us to kind of pause and reflect on Fuchs and say like, oh, Fuchs hasn't actually killed anyone. Like he always points Barry in that direction, but like yeah. he he hasn't done it himself. And he's even said to Barry like, oh, men like us have to, you right. know, like, like, like as part of your duty as a man. Yeah. And meanwhile, we haven't seen him do it. Yeah. If we're wrong, y'all correct us. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. we cannot remember that. In, yeah. In I don't remember if he's actually killing anyone. Yeah. And that would explain his hesitation here. That yeah, was true. For so. sure. Okay. So also, why is it just sheer rage that he whispers Barry's name in Jean's ear? Or is he like, is he trying to like sever the relationship between Barry and his other father? Like, why does yeah. he? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. He can't kill he finds that he can't kill gene yeah which would be the thing that would hurt barry the most and right. also make sure that barry and gene don't have a relationship that's infringing on barry and fuchs's relationship yeah but yeah i think it's just it's getting back at barry and it's making sure that gene does not want to have anything to do with barry ever again i'm just shocked that he would take the risk of saying that it was barry when like technically Fuchs is uh, not Ryan Goulet, uh, Kenneth Goulet right now. You know what I mean? Like, I know. Well, no, I mean that it's really like a hail mary because he just literally books it the fuck on out of there right after that. Like he knows the jig is up. Like this was his his one shot to get Gene basically. Yeah, yeah. I think this is just what he chose to do instead of shooting him. Was it's also very destructive. Yeah, making an, a, definitely an emotional decision, like not a logical one. No, not at all. Because by pointing the finger at Barry, he risks Barry getting hauled in for this. And yep. Barry could easily just say, well, guess what? My buddy Fuchs is the one that arranges all this stuff all the time. Yep. I mean, granted, he didn't have anything to do with Janice Moss's murder. But like, Barry could easily throw Fuchs under the bus. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely an in-the-moment emotional decision. Yeah. fucking Fuchs, man. (laughs) So Hank brings his guys to the monastery. It's very like a very HGTV moment where he's like thinking about how they can remodel. And then it's interesting because, you know, we're still following the thread from last episode where the guys have decided that Hank is not their leader anymore, basically. Mm -hmm. It's more or less a mutiny that's happened. Yeah, but But he's still in place. (laughs) Yeah, they still like let him be around. They're not like, get the fuck on out of here, Hank. So Hank does what Hank does, which is, like, just try to make himself useful anyway. Yeah. And decides that he needs a heroin table, which is kind of random. (laughs) But the conversation he has on the phone with, like, I'm going to guess Article or Wayfair or (laughs) somewhere where he's just like, hi, I'm looking for a heroin table. I'm thinking wood with a stone top, maybe marble, (laughs) is very funny because he's got his little, like, Bluetooth earpiece in and he's really just trying to, like, problem solve this one you know <laughs> and i'm just like you stupid dummy like were you really gonna order a heroin table and be like yes have it shipped to this monastery <laughs> like, come on have it shipped to a stash house <laughs> yeah exactly 
But then while he's doing that, he gets a call from Batir, who Mm -hmm. the Chechen crime family, crime mafia, whatever they are, is sending Batir to take over for Hank. Like, Hank, you're out. They say, Hank, you're going back home to Chechnya, but I wonder if they would just, like, kill him. You know? Yeah. Good question. I don't know. So that creates this time crunch for Hank. Yep. So he... And what does he do? Like, what he does every time he's up against the wall on something, he turns to Barry. Mm -hmm. I really feel like Barry is just, like, this tool that everyone just (laughs) picks up and points in a direction to solve problems for them. But so then he turns to Barry. Mm -hmm. And we pick up with Barry just completely uninterested in helping Hank. And, like... The debt has been paid. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he was it's let true. off the hook earlier. Yeah. And he's so preoccupied with what's happening to Gene. Yeah, he doesn't care at all. Yeah, I don't blame him. Also, him and Hank are not buddies. <laughs> as <laughs> much as Hank would like to believe otherwise. That's so true. He's, like, established that they are not friends. No. Like, <laughs> and he couldn't uh, communicate it in any clearer terms. <laughs> So the showcase. Uh, by the way, I love <laughs> the joke about it being a diversity showcase and people being afraid not to come. Yes, that was so good. <laughs> they um, snuck so many jokes into this episode. They did, and it's that my that's my favorite Barry joke delivery, where it's like a throwaway, yeah. and like the person who's saying it means it completely seriously. Yes, <laughs> and the thing is, like the way Sally says it, it's like they take for granted that it's just a given. You yeah. know, it's just like oh yeah, they said it, so <laughs> it's just like in that universe makes total sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then when they very first show up to the venue, as at the beginning of the episode, um, and Barry can't get over how big it is, <laughs> and she snaps at him from the stage. He has a lot of fucking seats. <laughs> I, Sally, to me, is so interesting in this, like, lead up to the scene, which is intended to, and does, totally explain why she freaks out on stage later mm-hmm. but she's trying to come across like very self-possessed and like this is cool we've got it <laughs> under control but then like the slightest thing like if you just push her too hard like when barry says that to her and she, yeah she just like snaps like she's <laughs> very frazzled under the surface and that is mirrored in Lindsay, who is mm-hmm. supremely anxious i mean she stands there shredding that paper and talking distractedly to <laughs> sally about like how it's gonna be gonna be okay it's gonna be great and she's like convincing herself just as much as she's convincing absolutely sally. yeah and sally's like you know she asked her something about the mics and she's like yeah they're they just yeah they and it's very clear that Lindsay did not tell them that this was yes anything to do with sally and like the thing that i kept thinking was her nervousness you know maybe anybody would be nervous in the scenario but it's that thing where She's pitched stuff to the guys before and been totally steamrolled. Yes. And so if this doesn't go well, then... Yeah, it's, it's not just Sally on the line. Yeah. I mean, it's Lindsay's reputation, too. And because of the whole, like, you know, bias against, you know, women in male-dominated fields, it's like, if she screws up, well, then she's screwing up for all the women. And also, she's screwing up on behalf of someone who turned down a project with Aaron Ryan. Yep. Like. Like, this is it. This is also, like, the end of the line for Lindsay, too. Yeah. Like, I think she would not be in the Mike's good graces if this fell apart. There are so many fucking Mike's 
in the show and in real life. I know. And didn't you love how Mike was like squeezing the air out of that lumbar pillow? Oh my at the god! End? I like finally put together. I was like, what a detail that like he clearly has yes. back pain. Like the fact that he has like the he's always got something the inflatable. Exercise the exercise ball, ball. the lumbar pillow. <laughs> yeah, it's just a beautiful symmetry. So the other showcase pieces that we see. Oh my god. Okay. So in rehearsal, we see Jermaine talking about how. This actually would have been a really moving piece. Mm -hmm. He talks about how, you know, he thought his dad was abducted by aliens when he was little and then just finds out he was, like, on drugs or an alcoholic or something. Yeah. And it actually was, it could have been very moving, except it was just sort of, like, snowed under by all the other (laughs) weird shit that happened. (laughs) Eric's, like, fucking spoken word poetry thing (laughs) destroyed me. Oh, my gosh. They've used that, too, like, multiple times. Like, we've gotten to see glimpses of that for a while. (laughs) And it's funny every time. It's so terrible. And then Sasha insists on telling that boring-ass horse story that nobody gets. Even though she got feedback in, like, the workshop sessions. Yeah. Like, nobody understood it. Nope. And here she is on stage, and nobody still gets it. And she's (laughs) being very forceful about it. Oh, man. Yeah, there are some really good showcase things. And Natalie, of course, is running the showcase. She's got the mic, so she's kind of bossing everyone around. In her element. Yeah. Taking over for Jean. Yeah. It's weird that nobody questions where Jean is. Oh, yeah. Isn't that strange? Like, I guess he yeah. he wasn't really part of this process, though, because Lindsay approached Sally, and Sally was like, sure, everybody else can be in it. So it's not like a Cousineau-sanctioned event. But I still think it's weird that you would spend, you know so much time with you know your acting teacher in a theater and then not be like ha- not have anybody be like is Jean gonna be part of this you yeah know? that is a good question I hadn't even thought about it at all huh. uh, also Nick vomiting and then into a toilet oh. on stage and then being like what is <laughs> it's like it wasn't just vomit in the toilet or something like that it wasn't the fake stomach issue I made up <laughs> <laughs> It's just all so horrible. They must have, the writers must have such a good time writing these, like, horrible little vignettes. That would be super fun. So, okay, so leading up then to Sally and Barry are going to close out Mm -hmm. the showcase. And Barry is, Barry is checked out, but he's Mm -hmm. also in a very angry place. Mm -hmm. Like, he might not be responding to Sally, but I felt confident, like, once they got out on stage, they've rehearsed this tons of times. Yeah. I felt like once they got out on stage, he was going to just snap into it. It was going to be fine. Yeah. But Sally, for whatever reason, was, like, not taking that as a given. Yeah. And she just kept poking at him and poking at him and being like where are you i need you know and i felt like that was her own anxiety like reflecting back at her yeah yeah and and just kind of taking it out on him in that moment and she's done that to him before like when they first she first began like workshopping the showcase and she was like oh what we're gonna you know we're gonna practice we're gonna be really good at it like She just lets all her, like, unloads her stress on him. Yeah. Which, you know, you do in a relationship sometimes. Like, it happens, but it's, like, her go-to thing. Yeah, and so that ends up with... I really, I liked how the camera, like, followed them through, like, Mm -hmm. all the way to stage. And then that leads up to when they get to the side of the stage and they're waiting to go on. And she's, like, you know, trying to get Barry to focus or whatever. And she slaps him. Mm Mm-hmm. What did you feel about that? 
I felt a lot of things. One of them being, it's pretty ironic that she's about to go on and tell a story about DV when she just assaulted her boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you? I hated it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks. I don't like it. I mean, it's just another, it's another layer to Sally. Yep. It's devastating and not okay if someone's abusive to her. Yep. But she thought it was okay to hit Barry in that moment to get him focused in to do the things she wanted him to do. Right. It's pretty messed up. It is messed up. It really lacks self-reflection. Yeah. And, like, the worst part is that we know that Barry kind of deserves it, but she doesn't, and that's what makes it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just... it. Yeah. It was really messed up to me. Yeah. And then that would be one thing. So Mm -hmm. say that she was like, you know, I just needed to get you there in that moment. Because if you think back to season one, remember how Jean kind of, like broke her down Mm -hmm. to get a performance out of her on stage. Oh, yeah. So there could be that element of, like, doing whatever you need to do to get that performance out of him, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, setting, like, she's in a different space than thinking, like, oh, this is also interpersonal violence. Or, you know, she's like, no, 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 this is theater. There could be that. But outside of that, if it was just to, like, ramp him up and get him in the space of the scene, that would be one thing. But then when she gets out on stage, and I thought things were going fine. Mm -hmm. Like, we've watched this scene before. Barry doesn't, he's got, like, two lines before things ramp up. Yeah. So he gets out there, and he delivers those two lines, which I thought were fine. And then she flips the table over. It's like... She hit him to get him into the space, but then she didn't even use that space. Yeah. She took the whole scene in a different direction. And he was just, like, stunned the whole time. Yes. And again, like, I know she's just going through her thing and is, like, maybe a little self-centered and he is a murderer. But, like, the look on his face was more than just, like, I'm surprised that you're changing the scene on me. Like, I feel like it poked something in him. He was He was shocked. Like, yeah. there was no acting happening from him anymore at that point. Because he yeah. was just like, I do not know what is going on. Right. And she's screaming in his face. And he just turns around and walks away. And I don't feel like that was acting. <laughs> I feel like that was him just being like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I just, I felt like they did a good job of showing Sally being so wound up and so anxious and so afraid Mm -hmm. of what was going to happen and so much pressure being put on her in the showcase that eventually she just retreated to that place where she goes where it's like she's Sally Reed, like L.A. Sally Reed. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing air quotes for people who can't see me. (laughs) Which is like all that swagger that we saw in season one. Yep. Like, in season two, we've seen her get vulnerable, mm-hmm. but when she feels like, when she's afraid of that, like, she retreats back into season one, Sally. Yeah. I think that's a great observation. And I also wonder, so you know, like, she slaps him, and then you get that, like, thing where the sound drops out, and there's that whistle. The Korengal wind. Yeah, the Korengal wind. <laughs> and uh, you can't, you know, he she's talking, but he can't uh, hear what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out on stage and doesn't get to complete the cycle. He doesn't get to finish the scene. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that has anything to do with why he went and basically, without goes thinking, yeah, goes apeshit in the stash house? Because he basically has a choice of what to do with this anger, and he'd been channeling it 
for the last season, more or less, into this performance. I don't think had the performance paid off, I I don't think that his rage would have abated. Yeah. Because his rage is aimed at Fuchs. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, he has... So, following the showcase... We'll come back and talk about Lindsay mm-hmm. and Sally. But following the showcase, he has that phone call with Leo. And, like, it really... He he did visibly seem more relieved, knowing that Gene was free, that his pin trick worked. Yep. And that, you know, Leo was with him and, like, it was going to be okay. It wasn't until he got the text from Hank that Fuchs was there meddling that he was just... It just flipped that switch again. Yep. Because he knew what... Yeah, what Fuchs had done to compromise. Well, he still doesn't know that the Fuchs told Jean that it was no, him. No, no. We but, don't We don't know that either as the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We don't find that out. It's like literally the last line of the... Yep. Almost the last line. So let's come back to Lindsay and Sally real quick before we mm-hmm. leave the showcase. I thought Sarah Goldberg and... What's her name? Jesse Hodges. Jesse Hodges did such a great job. Yes. Like, the sadness... In Lindsay's face yep. was heartbreaking. And I really felt like as they're standing there and the mics come up and they're like, wow, that was great. You know, I see why you turned down Aaron Ryan's project. <laughs> like, and, you know, people start coming up and being like, wow, that was great. Which I'm like, are you in a different universe? That was fucking yeah. terrible. But, <laughs> but you can just see both of them are so sad. And Sally yep. even says to her, like, I lied. I'm not an artist. Like, she can't, she panics. She can't be fully vulnerable yep. when it's going to count. And at the beginning of the episode, she specifically says, like, the showcase is it's getting good because people are delivering really honest performances. Yep. And so the honesty thing, she hit on it back at the beginning of the episode. That's the part she's most proud of of this piece. It's not the acting, it's yep. the honesty. And I love what Lindsay says, which is, like, she takes some responsibility for it and says, no, I pushed you into it. Like, nobody should ask you to do this. And I love that this is another one of those times where the show makes a commentary on something in the industry where both in the entertainment industry, in, like, you know, journalism and a whole bunch of industries right now, people try and get their break by sharing their like innermost personal trauma and often it has to happen at like an early stage in the career where you're not even being paid to do that so people are often asked to mine their own personal trauma for a performance or for write a blog about it write an article Mm -hmm. about it that kind of thing and on the one hand it can be great to own that but on the other hand if you're giving it away (laughs) that's something like really like important and precious yeah to for someone to get for free yeah And I think, too, there was just, like, a bit of female solidarity in that. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, Sally did that piece in her theater class with people that she's known for a long time. And even then, she was worried. She said to Barry, like, what if they judge me? What if they don't get it? Like, Lindsay happened to see that at its peak of Sally's, like, honesty and vulnerability and was like, this is great. We've got to do something with this. But that something was taking it from, like, zero to a hundred. Yep. And packing a theater of, like, 400 seats full of people and agents and industry professionals and then saying, like, okay, do that thing again. Yep. And I, yeah, Sally got really overwhelmed. I think she should have stayed true to the work. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously that's what she should have done. But I I totally get why she panicked. And even when we go back to, you know, one of the things she was, like, saying to Barry as they were getting ready was, like, 
I should tell the truth, right? Like, it's good to tell the truth. Yeah. And he's too disengaged at that time to, like, talk with her about it. But, like, that is her questioning whether this is the right thing to do. Yep, totally. And, like, I think that the... Or what's interesting to me is that the response that Sally gets is an affirmation of the fact that people didn't really want that other story. And, honestly, her telling this other version of it is probably what saved her ass and Jesse's ass. Or Which not is- Jesse, and Lindsay's. Yeah, which is so fucked up, but I wrote that yeah. too. I When I wrote, you know, Sally said, I lied, I'm not an artist. I said, it turns out no one wants the truth. Nope. They don't. Like, people came up to her and were like, oh, I had a friend who was in that situation. I wish she could be as strong as you. Mm-hmm. Your friend can't be as strong as Sally because no one is in that situation. Yes. <laughs> yep. And And that's the thing is, like, it's great to have these hopeful stories. Mm -hmm. And the other Mike says this to Sally, like, oh, I see why you didn't want Aaron Ryan's project. Like, yours is obviously, you know, so much more, like, I don't remember what he says, but, like, aspirational. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, it's great to have something that you can aspire to. But sometimes people just need to hear the real truth of something to feel validated. Yes. Like, her... That woman's friend who'd been in that situation could watch Sally's story, but all that's going to make her think is, wow, I should have done that. Right. Instead of, wow, that person went through the same thing I did. Yep, exactly. And what's interesting, I'll throw a little little DV fact in here, is uh, the most deadly time for DV victims is when they're leaving. Yes. So it's not just like a you get the guts to leave and you do it. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. We know that from Sally's real story. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like she stood up to Sam and she told him what for and she walked away confidently. No, she had a friend come and get her with a baseball bat. And then she basically moved to LA Yep. and left him behind. Yep. And then look, he came as soon as he knew where she was, he came out to see her and like punched a wall next to her head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, People's views on that, on, on DV and what people should do, are so idealistic. And the here's the thing. There are places for idealism, and this isn't one of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, there, I'm sure there's a ton of stories out there that are like this scene that Sally put on, where yeah. she stands up to the guy that drinks too much and was going to abuse her. But what was unique about Sally's story was the honesty of saying, like, I stay in this relationship for reasons. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just a missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be the one that rockets her to the stars. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Can you imagine, though? Like, it's hard enough when you already have, like, imposter syndrome. But imagine, like, knowing that the foundation of your successful career was built on an untruth. I don't know. Sally's journey from here on out, I think, is going to be very interesting. Sally's journey this entire time has been interesting. Sally is a super interesting character. Very compelling character. And I can't say enough good stuff about Sarah Goldberg. Yes. Oh my gosh. Have you seen, there's a new show, an RTE show she's going to be on produced by Merman or Mermaid. I forget. There's two like sister companies that Sharon Horgan runs with um, someone. So she's basically going to play a girl who finds out as an adult that she heard that her father is Irish and that she has a sister, a half sister in Ireland. Oh my um, god! So it's a comedy called Sisters, <laughs> which is funny because that same production company, I think it was Merman or Mermaid, put out Bad Sisters. So they've got mm. Sisters and Bad Sisters. I'll have to fact check that. Okay, but. cool. I wonder if it'll be more lighthearted or like This Way Up was a little, a little bit on the grittier side, but also funny. But 
the the previews make it look slightly sillier than this way up. Okay. But also, it's still got some of that, like... Edge to Yeah, it. edge, yeah. So cool. I'm excited to see and see what it's really like. And also, while we're talking about This Way Up, uh, everybody should watch This Way Up. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. I assume it's finished. Good question. I don't know. I remember the second season, they addressed the pandemic. And so I don't know if they've been shut down or if they're canceled. I have no okay. idea. So, okay. Moment of emotional reckoning mm-hmm. which we don't really get to appreciate because it's in the middle of an action sequence i still appreciate it yeah we don't linger on it and i guess that's one of the things the show does that maybe is really special is it just like we'll plow through something that has such a major emotional significance and just keep on going but we do come back to it yeah yeah so barry comes into the room Marabek knows something is happening but he's mm-hmm. up in the arms rooms and, like, doesn't know exactly what's happening. He just understands that they're under attack. Yeah. So he's positioned himself. And then when Barry comes through the door, he doesn't do anything. Because it's, like, relief. Like, Barry's here. Yeah. It would be, like, for Barry if Kusino walked in. Right. You know? Barry's on our side. Right, guys? Yeah. And then Barry just shoots him in the fucking head. Which I think stuns all of us. Yeah. Because he's Barry Jr. <laughs> Mini Barry. Baby Barry. <laughs> Little Barry. <laughs> and, and the thing was, like, you know, we saw him training Marabek. Marabek mm-hmm. expressing a lot of gratitude to Barry, which Barry seemed disturbed by. Yeah. He was not enthusiastic to be Marabek's mentor. <laughs> no. But then we've also seen Marabek take over and lead Hank's mm-hmm. men. Like, he's he's in a good leadership position. He's, you know, the men respect him. He's making good choices for them. He's obviously very skilled, and he, you know, hesitates for a second when he sees Barry come in because he views Barry as a mentor, as someone on his side, as someone guiding him. What? I just have a prediction. <laughs> okay. I predict that season four, I already predicted it will end in a death, but I predict that season four will end with one of Barry's father figures killing him, and it'll be because Barry hesitates. Interesting. I don't know. All right. (laughs) We'll process that. But yeah, so I think we're all kind of surprised by that. But Mm -hmm. in that moment, Barry's in that rage moment. He is just trying to find Fuchs so he can blow his fucking brains out. And see, I think Maribek, well, obviously Maribek misunderstood that situation too, because when Akmal and Yander bring Fuchs in and basically say to him, like, this is Barry's mentor. We have to hide him, protect him, you know? And he's like, yeah, yeah, take him. Mm -hmm. So they're making their getaway with Fuchs. And Marabek doesn't really know what he stepped into, basically. Mm-hmm. So Barry shoots him, keeps going, trying to find Fuchs. After he realizes that Fuchs has gotten away, he comes back through. And that's when we see Marabek. Yeah. And he takes, he does take a, a short pause to take it in. And he seems horrified at that time. Like, the rage is ebbing out of him. Mm-hmm. It was much like when he shot the man in Afghanistan. Yeah. That it turns out was not the enemy combatant that shot Albert. It, it was that same, like, kind of shock. Oh, okay. Other than Ryan in the beginning of the series. Mm-hmm. And Mare back here. And 
Janice in this episode. Mm-hmm. Has Barry ever had to, like, have they ever shown the bodies after somebody was killed? Or is it just, like, they're killed and he moves on? I kind of feel like they haven't, like, I don't know. shown us. But either way, he's contending with the consequences yeah. and the reality of what he's done. Or is beginning to. I think that, like, this is, like, obviously, like, a huge turning point in the series because Fuchs didn't make him do this. Yeah, well, it was, well, he would argue Fuchs made him do this. <laughs> right, but Fuchs didn't, like, you know, as part of his work, wasn't, like, telling him to do this. It's not strategic, and it was not in self-defense. It was, no. I want to kill it Fuchs, was and I have to kill everybody between me and Fuchs to do it. Yeah. And it was indiscriminate, and it's it represents, like, a huge darkness. Like, a, we already knew there was this, like, swirling darkness inside of Barry. Obviously, he's a murderer. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But now he's, like, well and truly off the, you know, he's just unhinged. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, he gets into these rage spaces. Mm-hmm. Like, we saw it in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And we see it here where, like, he is unstoppable until he just, like, runs out of gas. And then he's, like, it, you get that sense of, like, oh, God, what have I done? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't, like, let himself sit in that, really, enough to, like, grow a conscience about it. He needs to go to therapy because he should learn that most emotions only last for, like, five minutes. <laughs> if he could just sit with that anger for yeah. a little bit. <laughs> I think a lot of people will die in that five minutes. So we end up with uh, Batir arriving and mm-hmm. seeing Hank's Chechen bullet casing on Esther. I forget, did Hank drop that on her? Did we see that? Oh, I don't know. Because it There's couldn't n- have come yeah, from Barry's Yeah, it was Barry's not there. He gun. refused to use that. Well, no, he did add it to his clip, remember? Oh, did he? But But that wouldn't... The casing wouldn't be on her. The casing would be back by the gun. Oh, yeah. So I just didn't know if we saw that and I missed it. I don't know. I, I, I missed it if it okay. happened, yeah. I hope the implication is not that the casing just was on her because <laughs> that would not be accurate. <laughs> But so Batir shows up and finds Hank's bullet, and that seems to go okay. I just want to note, even though Barry is on this rage rampage through this monastery, they find these little moments for humor. And one of them is when Hank pops up from behind the Buddha and is like, hey, Batir, hey, buddy. And then, like, (laughs) lowers back down. (laughs) So good. I can just imagine the entire crew fucking dying. Oh, man. The other. Another couple. Akmal has both of his arms in slings. <laughs> he cannot catch a break. Both of his arms are in slings and he's like holding guns with both arms in slings. And then also too when Barry goes to chase Fuchs down the hall, there are two very tiny men. In, oh. So tiny. <laughs> in the hall and i was like oh they're still doing this bolivians are super (laughs) short thing which incidentally i did look it up in like the world fact book or whatever it was Mm -hmm. um back when we asked about at the beginning of the season and yes like they're the people of bolivia on average are shorter than a lot of other countries yeah i just thought that was funny that they're still doing that yeah (laughs) and two i forgot to mention when fuchs goes out to parlay with esther and cristobal when they first get there and he's coming down, like, we're, the camera's following Fuchs, and so we're hearing him. But then when we cut to Esther and Cristobal's perspective, they're like, what is he saying? I can't hear him. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny that, like, we would assume, you know, TV would yeah. normally make it seem like they could hear him talking to them. <laughs> 
But instead, they just decided to be real with it and be like, we can't hear him. Like, <laughs> I thought that was really funny. I love it. They just, they do such a good job of, like, working in these little, little jokes that, like, never take you out of the drama that's happening. Yes, that's it. Yeah. That's what I, I, the, I've been describing them as, like, throwaway lines, but they're not. It's just that they are... I don't know what it is, whether it's, like, the timing or the tone or something, but it just doesn't take you out of it. You keep yeah. moving forward. So it's easy to miss, you know what I mean, if you're not, like... Like the tiny men in the hall. Yeah. You're just like, oh, some guys are getting shot. But then when you watch it, you're just like, oh, they're really little, though. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously they're still doing that Bolivians joke. Yeah. It's a runner. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. I'm just thinking about the scene where Barry calls Leo. And yeah. the look on Barry's face when he realizes he's talking to Kusuno's real son. I know. I thought that was interesting. I wrote something like, last episode we had Fuchs and Jean colliding. And yep. this episode we've got Barry and Leo colliding. Yeah. Like, those two worlds are meshing together. It's really weird. I, I feel like, in a way, it's possible that talking to Leo and, like, getting a sense of the fact that, oh, Kusuno has, like, other people in his life, mm-hmm. and, like, it's bigger than just him, maybe, like, increases understanding of Kusuno as a person and not just this, like, figurehead, you know? I doubt mentor. it. You don't think so? <laughs> think about how Barry thinks. Yeah. He, he sometimes doesn't think a lot. No. I I thought it was interesting that the conversation went so well, Mm-hmm. But part of that was Leo was entirely checked out of the conversation. Oh, yeah. Like he's, he, you know, Barry is on the phone, but like yeah. Leo is waiting on Jean. Jean comes out like he's not processing what Barry's saying to him. No. But yeah, I mean, you think about there could be the possibility that Barry would feel jealous of Leo. But no, I, you don't really get that sense. Like it's it's a good conversation. Yeah. I, I have a question too. Do you buy... Kusuno not remembering what Fuchs told him until then. Oh, yeah. This is great. We should talk yeah. about this. Yes. Okay. But only because Henry Winkler is selling that state of shock to us through this yeah. entire episode. Yeah. So, yes. I mean, when that is said to him, he has just been shown Janice's body. Mm-hmm which we've talked about is not something that you want to see or memory you want to carry with you. And he is literally staring at her when this is said to him. And I don't think he processes it at that time. Yeah. And immediately like the police are there and Barry is there and like Mm -hmm. it's all, and he's clearly in shock. Like he drops to his knees, he's crying, you know, and then we see him through the police station, even getting arrested and booked and all that. Like he's in shock. I think what helps is that scene where he's staring at that like hole in the linoleum. Mm-hmm. Just that kind of puts us in Gene's headspace. Like he is not there. Yeah. And it's not until he's in a place of safety where he is being cared for by Leo, where he can finally relax, that he starts reminiscing about Janice. So we see him kind of break out of this shock. Yep. And he's actually starting to think. And that's when the memory comes back to him. So I do believe it, but only because of the way he sold that through the whole episode. Otherwise, I'd be like, that seems weird. Yeah, I was trying to decide if, like, now that you've laid it out like that, I think that is what makes it, more convincing 
But, like, I think my thing is, like, if you're in that state of shock, do you even process language? Like, someone says something and you're, like, is it, does it actually get stuck in your brain somehow? Like, <laughs> but, yeah, like, you're right. They, they did, like, kind of thread the the shock thing throughout. It yeah. almost seemed like a little bit of, like, a, a recalling, too. Because if you remember, like, they show yep. Fuchs talking to him. They show it again from a slightly different angle. We're not hearing any words, though. Yeah. There's just the talking. And it's almost like Gina's trying to dig out of his memory what was said to him. And finally, right. it clicks through. Barry Berkman did this. That makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. I think they did a pretty good job with that. And yeah. again, Henry Winkler's performance is really what makes that possible and doesn't make us as the audience be like, I don't believe it. <laughs> and like, okay, so it's very tragic, but it is sort of a treat that we get to see him acting as just him and not like Kusuno, you know, like, yeah, this is like, he's not being his, his persona. He's yeah. being himself. And that's what allows him and Leo to really connect too. Yeah, you know, point. like they hug when he is released and, you know, Leo takes him home and is caring for him. He's going to make him some tea, lays him on the bed. Like this level of devastation and vulnerability is really what brings Leo into his life. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, this is a wild way to end the season. Yeah. Truly. body count for this episode just so many like i lost count did you count did you tell no hell no (laughs) (laughs) but i think what's interesting is we've been keeping track all season and barry hasn't killed anybody up to this point yep and then he made up for it (laughs) yeah an entire season's worth of bodies in one episode yeah maybe more maybe two seasons worth but I will say R.I.P. to Esther. I know. Because I really enjoyed her character. I don't think she deserved that. No. No. I really liked her. And especially in this episode where she's got her, like, polo tucked into her jorts with a belt. I was like, <laughs> God, I love it. <laughs> You've loved her fashion from the beginning. <laughs> she had that, like, 90s, like, wax cup uh, track jacket yeah. on today. Oh, so good. So good. And I'm sad about Mirabak because, you know, like, it's foreshadowing in the very beginning that, like, he's going to end up like Barry and that, you know. Yeah. So that was sad to me. Anytime somebody dies, it's going to be, you know, R.A.P. Yeah. But uh, did Akmal live? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Good for him. <laughs> Akmal is one of the ones who escaped with Fuchs. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, Akmal had no more arms left to break, so he was oh, like. <laughs> we got to keep him around. Here. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, we we had some high-value players lost this episode, mm-hmm. but we'll just have to see who season three brings in. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about who is your most evil guy for the episode? I mean, it's got to be Barry. It's just, it's just the indiscriminate killing of so many people in service of his rage and retribution. No bueno. You? Yeah, I mean, okay, so I have to agree, but if I take him away because you picked him mm-hmm. and like obviously just kind of objectively <laughs> he is the worst i'm gonna go with again fuchs because mm-hmm. his actions were vindictive he was already sticking in his, his nose where it didn't belong he wasn't revealing janice's corpse to kusno yeah because he cared he was doing it to hurt him and yeah. to drive a wedge between him and barry 
And it's just very, very cruel. And Kusuno has never done anything to him except for be a dad figure to usurp Barry. him. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's definitely Barry, but second uh, or first runner up would be Fuchs. I mean, is that the whole show? Literally, it's like every episode like <laughs> trades off. Is it him? Is it him? <laughs> the whole show is Barry's the worst and Fuchs is the second worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or is it? <laughs> well, I feel like at the first, like in season one, it's Fuchs is the worst and Barry's second worst because you were like, oh, he can change, you know? Mm. And in season two, it's like, nah, man. Like, and this episode is like the clearest. There have been hints at this kind of rage, like, I'm going to go kill you. It's not survival. It's not yeah. business. It's like when he showed up to kill Sam. That was sheer yeah. rage and, exactly. and retribution. And in this case, pfft. So you're right. We did see that like same level of rage and emotional thinking with Sam. And if you remember, when Barry leaves that situation where he didn't kill Sam, he goes to the car and he starts like hitting himself in the head. And we saw that come back again this episode. Backstage when he calls Fuchs again and is threatening Fuchs and Fuchs says, you could save him. You could turn yourself in. But basically like you're not going to do that though. You know, like fuck you, I'm out of moves. And when he hangs up on Barry, Barry starts like hitting himself in the head with the phone again. Like, that's, it's just interesting that that is always, that self-harm is always a response that Barry has when his emotions are out of control. Yep. Anyway, I just want to point that That is interesting. Yeah. I really hope that, so, like, everyone knows the trailer for season four just dropped. No spoilers, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say this, but I really hope that we get to see a little bit of Barry's background. Because I feel like that is a habit that, like, you don't just suddenly pick up as an adult. You know what I mean? I continually love that you are so optimistic that we are going to get that (laughs) because I don't think that's going to happen at all. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It would be too satisfying. (laughs) You're just going to have to write fanfic about it. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that's like part of the, I don't want to say the fun of the show, (laughs) but like imagining what could make someone turn out the way that Fuchs did and the way that Barry did. Like, it's not just greed. It's not like organized crime. Well, for, for Fuchs it is. But for Barry, it's not. I mean, that's the thing is that's character development. And you can bet that the writer sat around and talked about it a lot. But whether we actually ever see any of that is going to yes. be a different story, I think. Yep. So yeah. anyway, if you guys are interested, we did do a short episode breaking down the season four trailer. It was released a couple weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Quite literally, frame by frame. Yes. Jamie Lynn is super prepared. <laughs> So, I missed most of the stuff that yeah. you noticed. <laughs> so if you've already watched season three and you're mm-hmm. planning to watch season four, give that a listen. And hit us up on social with your predictions about what will happen in season four. Please do. We think we figured it out, but <laughs> <laughs> we'd be curious to know what you think. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Most Evil Guy. Or at Gmail at MostEvilGuy at gmail.com. Before we bounce this episode, I wanted to shout out Jackie. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, Jackie and I are in a writing program together. Yay, and she thank listens you. to us on her morning compute. Uh, so, yeah, we Yay. are happy we can cackle into your ear, ear holes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jackie. Ironically, Jackie used to be my nickname. Don't ask. What? Yeah, <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, you'll have to tell me off it. <laughs> so, in our tradition, uh, we close the episode with a quote, and this is a good one. You guys are like Fleetwood Mac. You break up, then get back together again, and then you go out and make a great album like the best of Fleetwood Mac.
Yeah. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> that is a really great album. I have it on my phone. <laughs> the dance is one of my favorites, but that's just because I was 12 when I listened to it a thousand times. So. I am super into Tusk, actually, and I really want to see it used yeah. in an action sequence. Ooh. There's something about that song, like the build-up to it, that makes me think like it should be in a really rad action sequence. I want to listen to it now, kind of. I know, it's so good.